What could be germier than a bathroom doorknob? Try unclean countertops, TV remotes, fridge handles, gaming controls, and all kinds of things around the house. Help your family stay happy, healthy, and uninterrupted by illness this year with Clorox disinfecting wipes, Clorox bleach, and Clorox disinfecting mist. They kill 99.9% of cold and flu viruses on hard, non-porous surfaces when used as directed. So get germs out of the way and get on with your day with Clorox. You're unstoppable when you start clean. You know those times in the day when you can't fit in a full podcast? Running out to the store, walking the dog, or washing the dishes? Jam is the new way to listen, when you have just enough time for the perfect short audio playlist. Get started at listentojam.com slash podcast and get your daily Jam playlist filled with more voices in less time. With Jam, you can choose from news, parenting tips, wellness advice, and more. Go to listentojam.com slash podcast and satisfy your curiosity with short audio. Discover something new every day. You're listening to the Bay Bay Network. <laughs> Nothing's going your way. You've had a bad day. It's good to keep it simple. Michelle and Seth say take a deep breath from fade to gray. It's mental. Welcome to I am here with Mental Podcast, and today I'm going to be speaking with my co-hosts, Michelle Collins and PK Langley. (laughs) Very, very excited about this conversation. We're continuing our uh, Silent Sadness series, which has been on major depressive disorder for the month of November. And to wrap up the month, we are going to have a discussion around coping with depression, specifically looking at how to survive depression. But before we jump into that conversation, I want to see how everybody's doing. (laughs) Michelle, how are you? It's a bad morning to ask. (laughs) It's Uh a bad, bad morning to ask. Uh Well, first of all, my computer's doing its own thing. So of course, now I'm on a different computer. So I can't, I have no camera. So I'm just a voice in the void now. So that's annoying. But yeah, I just woke up. I just, I feel tired. I feel grumpy. And then I made the colossal mistake of logging into Facebook. So, <laughs> so it's not a smart move. <laughs> so yeah, I don't know. It's going to be one of those days. What happened on Facebook? I just, well, I know it's hard for people to believe, but you know, I am somewhat opinionated, which I know is it's <laughs> difficult to believe. I get it. But I had posted yesterday about, I'm so sick and tired of the mouthpieces of God and their political opinions. I just have had enough. I, I, the I prophets think, and prophets. Yes. Yeah. The prophets. The, that First of all, that term gets so misused and abused. I swear everybody that has a ministry in the church is somehow a prophet. And the majority of them, it's all about themselves. And that drives me crazy. And so I typically say things about things like that. But all I said was I'd like them to stop with all of their from the throne room shit and please look around and realize they're in their own living room spouting from their own personal opinion, Um, which invites a lot of comments. And so, yeah, I had a lady this morning that I don't know her. Apparently we're friends who took issue. And so, yeah, I, I was pretty blunt back with her. I, I'm not out to make friends anymore on Facebook. (laughs) It used to be, you know, you wanted followers, you wanted friends and all that. And now I'm just like, ah, it's more trouble than it's worth. 
or at least that's how I feel about it this morning. So anyway, it was just stupid drama and it just set me on edge this morning. And so our, our, our joke used to be prophet, pastor, evangelist, apostle, Brad. Yep. Yep. <laughs> I, well, you know, I used to be involved uh, with studying with a ministry who of course was all about the fivefold. And, you know, they took those few verses out of the Bible and they made a whole, you know, doctrine around them. And, and I believed that for a long time, but yeah, it was funny to me because as you went through this academy or this school, you know, you were allowed to self-identify as to what gift you were. And it's amazing how many, the number of apostles and prophets there are in the body of Christ. Absolutely. It's just amazing. The top of the hill. The top exactly. of the hill. Yep. yep. So yeah, I, that's kind of, I kind of got disillusioned at that point with a lot of that educational pursuit because it just felt like it was just very self-serving and I just, I don't appreciate right. that. But so. I view I view Facebook as this is my house. Like like yeah. my wall is my house. So yeah. if you're kind of coming to my house and and you know, I have like a lot, a lot, a lot of friends that, you know, just hang around, you know, they just buzz around and I never yeah. ever hear from them. And then I just I will say something and I have some that will come on and they only have a negative opinion. They'll just come on and blam, like out of the blue, mm-hmm. like they just want to give me the opposing viewpoint. And, and I feel like if you were to come on in my home, knock on my door and just, and just say, you're wrong. <laughs> just, yeah. Yeah. You know, I'd close with- the door in your face. I okay. So, <laughs> so I have something controversial to say in regards okay. to this. Okay. Okay. Because I have interacted with specific people on Facebook who, <sighs> I disagree with everything that they believe and stand for and do. And and they continually like push it. Yeah. You know, they, they continue and, and and it's just wrong. A lot of the stuff is just it's just not it's not right. And I have been known to go on there and 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 post, you know, the truth. The, <laughs> the, the scientific truth. fact. So, so you're and I have you're since a troll. I have since I have since been been blocked. <laughs> and I'm no longer Good for involved you. in this person's world. And so, yeah, I, so I, I hear your frustration, Michelle. I validate it. But mm-hmm. I'm also like, I mean, I agree with pretty much everything well, you post. So clearly look, this person is, is perhaps just dead wrong and they just need to shut well, up. I mean, but, to be fair, she, she was very interested in trying to see all sides. I, I guess where I found fault is, first of all, my post said nothing about the election, I did mention conspiracy theories. So I will admit that it's possible to jump to where she did. The problem, however, is that there were so many assumptions made about, uh, oh, the people that that you hate and the sides that you take. And I thought, never has anybody on in my Facebook experience been able to point to a post that I've made where I've said I've hated anybody. That just doesn't happen because I don't believe in things like that. I'm fine with people disagreeing with me on my post. So to to your point, Seth, yes, this is this is ongoing conversations in Facebook land and social media in general. People are not always going to agree. I have no problems with disagreement. I don't believe that disagreement is or that agreement is the hallmark of relationship. I don't believe I have to agree with people to have a relationship with them. However, I want people to be respectful. And she was respectful. She wasn't disrespectful at all, other than she made a lot of assumptions and that really bothered me. But the other thing that bothered me is that if you come on somebody's page and you make a public comment and then tell everybody that they have to answer you with respect, I, I just kind of have a problem with that because who who gets to define what's respectful? I mean, right. 
that's problematic in my, in my estimation, but I have a rule. We have a rule in my house. I have a rule on my page. Don't start none. Won't be none. So if you come in and you start something, you can't then back up and say, I don't like how people are responding to me. Well, too bad. Don't, don't play. If you don't want to pay, that's how this works. So pay to play, pay to play, pay to play. So anyway, again, it's probably just, I'm in a generally bad mood this morning. So it just struck me wrong, but that's just the way it goes. Well, someday <laughs> in a shitty mood today. So. Well, we're, we're going to be talking about how to survive depression and, and coping strategies yeah. around that. And so maybe, maybe, maybe that's this, what it is. May, I was anticipating this will play into the conversation. What a great lead in. Yeah. No, no, no. You two have to tell me how you're doing. We don't get to stop there. So. PK, oh, how are you? I knew you like he always defer. makes everybody else go first. He defers. What He's the like hell? a professional defer. <laughs> Yesterday, I went with my wife and another couple to a little art show, and they had a psychic there. And oh. we went for fun, and we went to support uh, USF College. Because a lot of the colleges are struggling right now. So we threw some dough at that and we weren't guaranteed a reading, so to speak. And we went for entertainment and for fun. And it was a small crowd. But as soon as I got there, I knew that this lady was going to pick me out. And sure enough, I was the very first person that she called out and she talked to me more than anybody else. And it was a beeline for everything that was on my heart. And uh, one of the things that I thought about is that we often, in the church, we we demonized people that are psychics or mediums or, or anything of that nature. And I mean, we would even do like Jericho marches around the psychic or medium. <laughs> I we remember would, those. <laughs> we would, oh my gosh, we would go around the buildings and, you know, you're going, getting out of our town in the name of Jesus, you know, and, and uh, uh, do things like that. And, and uh, you know, we would, we would pray them out and all that stuff and uh, be very aggressive toward them, you know. And uh, this lady was, was kind. She was gentle. She was, uh, she said, I, I pray and ask God for no negative energy before I do these things. And, um, but she, she hit everything that was on my heart, just like a prophet Mm -hmm. linking with what Michelle was talking about Mm -hmm. and, you know, only asked for my name and my birthday and was shuffling a deck of, of cards while she was talking. And I've, I've noticed that some psychics do that and uh, they all operate and function differently. So gambling um, was involved as well, PK? Gambling was involved as well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Cards, evil cards. So I I think it might have been a tarot deck. I, I'm not sure. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, yeah. Oh, my gosh, PK. Yeah. I was like on board with yep. everything. Yep. And then she sprouted horns cards? and everything oh. went to hell. Oh, um, no. But anyway. Holy yeah. crap. We yeah. need to pray for you. Have we, have we put some oil on the door? An open door. An open door, right? Yeah, like it's, yep, a, yep. it's the gateway. Yep. It's It was it, man. I felt the flames of hell on my feet. Yeah. I knew I was in trouble. Wide. Um, wide is the gate that leads to hell. Narrow is right, the game. Right, right. So, you know, I mean, it was, but it was encouraging. I mean, she she even came up with names of people that are close to me. I mean, it was, it was told me that I just embarked on a new business venture that was going to be successful. She talked about my writing and uh she nailed my wife's uh gift with uh making um 
uh, rings and jewelry and said that she should uh, invest time in that. And uh, I mean, it was just boom, 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 boom. You know, it was really, really cool and encouraging. And I thought about that. I thought about how weird we are as human beings. You know, we label things differently. And but at the same time, she's learned to function in a role outside of the church for people and give them that that faith boost that they need in a way that we got it in the church, you know? And so it it was, it was encouraging and mind bending. And, and uh, it was, I'm still processing the stuff that she said to me, but it it was definitely interesting yesterday. So that was my, my mental minute minute. I don't, I don't think the gifts are, are exclusive to the church. I believe that people are gifted. Absolutely. And depending on where they use it, we define it as good or bad, but the gifts are the gifts. We just say you have to play, you have to, you know, play on my ball field or, or you're bad. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, um, uh, but, but to me, you know, I used to get all offended when I was a pastor and my sister would go see psychics and I'd say, you paid how much? And I would get all offended about it. But then I realized she came away and would be encouraged, uplifted and strengthened. And I'm, you know, I started realizing, hey, if if that benefits you, you know, that's okay. How can you call that bad? So the devil's doing a shitty job at that whole evil side. Oh, my God. He really is. He needs to sharpen his horns. (laughs) He's leaking into the encouragement side. (laughs) From from this conversation... From this conversation that you had, though, PK, this individual really called some stuff out, like stuff that she shouldn't have known. Absolutely. That you weren't you weren't just emotional wearing things on your sleeve like she knew called out specific things. Yeah, that I'm not going to say here, but she did. She did. Absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. And I don't want you to say here, but just yeah. to kind of say, you know, to give some credibility to this, that it wasn't yeah. just yeah. like encouraging, I- but like... Yeah, I walked away, you know, even more convinced that these these skills and gifts are operational in people across the board and that we have so done a disservice to these individuals who are functioning in something that is a positive, encouraging gift. And I'm not talking about like people that put hexes on people and try to kill them. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm talking about... <laughs> No little dolls and yeah, the voodoo, the voodoo people. I'm talking about like you know people that are are genuinely existing to encourage and uplift humanity. They they deserve kudos. They really do. Anytime somebody's encouraging, I think that that's obviously should be touted as a positive thing, regardless of yep the perspective they're coming from. Yeah. So I don't know. I think we spend a lot of time. And I know I was part of this for a long time. Uh, we spend a lot of time demonizing anything that we're uncomfortable with. You know, I mean, because as you're speaking about that, I, I used to believe the same things. I wouldn't have anything to do with fortune telling or anything. I wouldn't even read my horoscope in the grocery store line because I was like, oh, that's an open doorway. I don't want to, you know, open myself up to any kind of demonic oppression. So I, I feel like we it's stuff we don't understand. And we live from a fear-based perspective rather than just not worrying about it. But I believe this is going to tie into our topic today as, oh, as, for we, sure. as yeah. we move forward. I, I really do. I do too. I Seth. do as well. Yeah, I'm good. I, uh, <laughs> I'm i really, really excited for this, this week. 
I have off the entire week of Thanksgiving Ooh, nice. and I have no real agenda. In fact, I don't think I was going to go home all the way like up Northwest Missouri and see extended family and they're still doing their event, but I can't do that Yeah. Uh, at this point. I don't, I don't think it's right. I don't know if I would be able to handle what I've handled at work and losing someone I've trained and then like going home for the holidays and then someone dying of COVID and it may have been traced to me. Like, I don't think that I can emotionally handle that. Right. And so I've already kind of told my parents like, hey, I don't want to go all the way home. They really want me to come see them like the day of Thanksgiving and spend the night. And I'm like, I don't even know if I'm going to do that. And so... I, my plan this week is I'm going to edit a bunch of podcasts and I'm going to perhaps open up that 300-page document uh, <laughs> journal from California and, and start rereading it and trying to find some good takeaways and then maybe working on an outline. Yeah, outline, outline, outline. So, yeah, I'm considering doing that this week. That's my plan. But I guess that's not a mental minute because it's not the past week. It's where I'm. It's what I'm looking forward well, to. Well, that's okay. There's nothing wrong with presenting that. I'm looking. I've already looking covered all the negative this morning, so you know you should, you should definitely project the positive. We just, yeah, we just did past, present, and future. There you go. See, we covered all the realms there. The, the ghost of Christmas, past, present, and future. Right today. There it is. Yep. That would make me Scrooge, I guess. <laughs> No. I'll own that today. That's okay. <laughs> Which that opens us up into a conversation for today. And today, Michelle, you kind of mentioned you've already kind of thrown out a lot of negativity this morning. It's mm-hmm. funny because in previous episodes, when we've talked about depression, there's been this, we've been giddy, right? Because we're all hanging out together. We're excited to be podcting together. And so there's been a lot of laughter and fun and you know, it's, it's also a nervous thing. That's also a nervous right. thing. Yeah. And, and in comparison to the top subject matter, but today right. it's almost like you're a little on edge, which might eh. make, I don't know, no, is it on edge or wrong phrase? No, no, there's nothing wrong with that phrase. I don't, you're not going to offend me with it. I, I, I don't know. Yeah, maybe, maybe it's subconsciously anticipating discussing the subject and I'm just not in a good place with it today. I don't know. I think because as we're talking about coping skills, I I don't know that I have any coping skills. I mean, I get by every day, so apparently I can cope. (laughs) I don't know what those skills actually are defined as though. So yeah, I don't know. Or it could just be a shitty day. Who knows? (laughs) Just could be. Shitty days happen. (laughs) Shitty days happen. Well, I I think a good place to start is a definition. I mean, because it's, it's been a a phrase that has been tossed around in the therapeutic community. And, you know, we'll have a lot of clients come in and and we'll say, so what's a goal for your treatment plan? Mm. Well, I just, I just want to learn coping skills. <laughs> and, and I mean, they'll say things like that, but they have no clue what they're saying, you know, and right. the term is really so broad that there's no way if we had all eternity that we could list all right. the coping skills that are available to you. So really what coping skills are in essence is they are tools and techniques that you can use to help you handle different emotions, to decrease stress and establish 
or maintain that equilibrium that you that you need that internal equilibrium yeah so that's that's kind of our our launching pad or, or definition for coping skills i don't know if you guys have anything to add to that but that's my I, I do, but I like that because I think the definition you just gave is broader than what I typically explain it as. So I think that that's good. One of the things in working on a crisis line, talking with individuals who are struggling with suicidal ideation, the way that I always would describe coping strategies are things that you can do that serve as a distraction to get your mind off of the negative tape. Mm-hmm. Or the or get your mind off of the suicidal thought, but again, that can even involve emotions. So these are activities or things that you can do, even if just a way of thinking, that will provide you a space to kind of step back for a second and then reevaluate the situation. Yeah, because some some people are so dysregulated. And I have to speak from personal experience. I was so dysregulated that I couldn't translate my emotions. Yeah. So Mm -hmm. I didn't know what I was feeling or how I was feeling. So I had to talk about what I was feeling in order to, to even be able to communicate what I was feeling. Like I would have to talk through it. And by the time I got to the end, I'd go, yeah, that's (laughs) what I'm mad about. You know? So some people are so dysregulated that when you say, you know, you use these techniques to handle different emotions, but you also can use them to decrease stress because I could identify that I was feeling stressed, but I could not identify my particular emotions or what in the heck was going on inside of me. So hopefully that makes sense. Yeah, I get that. I mean, because you don't, you don't always know. I, I don't know. When you live with depression, it's an underlying feeling all the time. But of course, sometimes those emotions or those feelings are, are much stronger. And I always was trying to figure out what caused them to be stronger at any given time. And you don't always know. It it doesn't always make itself obvious. And so, you know, I think, uh, I think we talked about this last time, and I don't remember if this was specific to what we said, but you know, obviously depression happens situationally, you know, somebody dies and and we go through a period of uh, depression over that, uh, seasonal affective disorder, all of those kind of things are, are more temporary, but often if you're dealing with depressive disorder, you, you don't have any kind of understanding of what's happening and it just never goes away. It's just a fog. Yeah. It's a constant fog that you're, and some days you see a little better, but some days the fog is thicker. And it's a really good analogy because it's very applicable to how it actually feels. And, and so when people would say, well, why are you feeling bad today? Well, I don't know. I don't have a good reason. I don't have a reason at all. It just is. You got up on the wrong side of the bed this morning. Yeah. Those kind of dismissive comments, you know, that you, that you learn to take in stride, but the reality is maybe that's true. I don't know. (laughs) I shouldn't have everything yesterday went really well. I have no reason to wake up feeling bad this morning, but here we are. So yeah. And it 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 actually, it actually could be body chemistry. Oh, for sure. It could be not eating the right things the day before. It could be the fact that you're thinking about something and uh, ruminating about something and you don't even realize that you're ruminating about something. Exactly. 
I don't want to just repeat what you guys have said, but I guess I might do a little bit of that. In talking about difficulty identifying your emotions, depression in my personal life often lends itself to numbness yeah. and that and that complete fog to where I just, I tune out entirely. It's just like, I just am down. I don't, you I can't tell you why. Uh, yeah, I do. Yeah. And I kind of live, I, I would say, even as a therapist, I, I don't often do the things that I need to do in regards to coping strategies because it's work. And, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and, and when my depression is bad, I don't care. Like that motivation, the, the care to even want to take those steps is not there. And so I often live in a fog personally. Then, and I need to, and I need to make changes to that. And that's one of the reasons why I really like having a show like this where we can be open and honest about it. But what else do we think about coping strategies? Well, one, one of the things that I would mention is lack of motivation is part of the diagnostic criteria for yeah. depression. So understanding that lack of motivation is a depressive symptom. And I, this is a pet peeve for me because we get so many families that get frustrated with their family members because they're like, she is so lazy. I just mm. wish she would just mm. get off her butt and get a yep. job. Yeah. I get so many family members that do that because they do not understand that lack of motivation is part of that symptomology of depression. Mm -hmm. I mean, there are people that we help that don't get out of bed for weeks at a time. Yeah. Weeks. You know, all they're doing is getting up and going to the bathroom and getting something to eat, but they do not get out of bed because they do not have any motivation at all. Yeah. I spent two weeks on my couch at one point wow. and I had kids. I had a really hard time getting up to take care of my kids. I had a hard time even getting up to feed myself. I was in such a bad place. And all I could do was lay there and think, I, this is horrible. Why, why am I like this? So there's, yeah. there's a point where I think you can engage in coping skills and then there's a point in recognizing when you get past that line where you need to communicate, look, I'm in trouble. And, right. and, I, and so I think there's, there's an important distinction there where you have to reach out for help when you know that that lack of motivation has set in to the point where you're, you're in that place of dysfunction. And you have to engage your supports, which are hugely important for somebody that's struggling with depression. And that in and, in and of itself is a coping skill. Mm -hmm. So I guess we could list some of the coping skills that you guys find helpful or, or. Oh, I was going to say, I think I would rather end with the positive coping skills, <laughs> positive scoping, coping skills. And maybe we can talk about the fact that there's some pretty negative coping skills that actually people end up using. Oh, sure. We're on the same wavelength uh -huh. because I was before we started talking about a list of coping strategies. I think it's important to note that there are healthy right. things that you can do. Yeah. And there are unhealthy things that you can do. They're both coping strategies. Right. Yeah, I was like I was being so, positive, Patty here. You were. So like just and I say, appreciate like, it. Use your coping strategies. Use your coping strategies. My thing is which coping strategies are we talking about? Right. What I, what I have found 
in my own personal life is that when I think of activities or coping strategies, things that I can do that are quick, <laughs> like a quick form of gratification or relief from, from the situation is often where it gets unhealthy. I find that the healthier coping strategies are a little more thought out. They take work. They take work. Where if you're looking for a quick fix, I mean, there are things that you can do. They're coping strategies, but they're generally not the healthiest options. Right. And I, and I find that so funny because people look at it that way. But if you're going to abuse substances, there is still... A, a need for motivation to get that done. So if you're going to get, if you're going to go out and get drugs, you have to risk getting popped by the law. You have to connect with a dealer. You have to pay that dealer. You have to get back home. I mean, there's, there's activity engaged in that. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. But you tell yourself it's a quick fix. Right. You know what right. I mean? You're not hitting an easy button. You're actually engaging in an activity in order to satisfy what you think is a quick fix. Right. Mm-hmm. But you do use that as a coping skill because it feels good to be right. comfortably numb. Yeah. Well, and you know, and I think the idea when we talk about being comfortably numb is we automatically jump to the idea of drugs or alcohol. But, you know, we just had a comment on Facebook. Is food, is food a coping strategy? You know, eating. And I don't know, for me, I responded I, to me, that feels like only you can define that for yourself because we all have to eat. But Sometimes it can be used inappropriately. I Absolutely. Think. We have a binge eating disorder. Right. And some people eat when they are upset and when they're hurt. Right. They use that as a coping strategy. Absolutely. Yeah. That's emotional negative. eating. It's mm-hmm. a real thing. <laughs> it, it is very real. And the thing is, is we've glorified it in, in television and movies. If you think about it, I mean, think about how many times you've seen a woman that's upset or PMSing and she sits on a couch with a bowl of ice cream. Yeah. Or some chocolate. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We've, we've absolutely glorified that and said, yeah, do it. You know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, so in, in talk, in talking about, honestly, we're lending itself almost to obsessions, right? Things that you're reaching out to as a coping strategy around like substances, things like that. I find that often individuals who are engaging that as their coping strategy, the people around them notice it far quicker than they themselves is one th- point. And then also, it's this whole escapism. I really like how you mentioned that, PK, that yeah. there's there's this this feeling of wanting to escape or not, not having to deal, being numb. Well, yeah. and this is one that I think is a biggie that I'd like to mention that doesn't get mentioned enough, and that's cutting. Self, self Seth injurious. doesn't like that term. Seth does not like said, that term, you just, PK. You just he freaks cutting. out every time. No. I, I, I want to say it because people use that terminology, even though we coin it self-injurious I behavior. I said the same thing. <laughs> SBH, 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 not Seth, cutting. Seth okay. has a, a, a quirk on this one, but I said the same I thing. Do. That is common vernacular. We have know, to use common like vernacular it. because that's how people know it out in the public I right know. now. <laughs> I know. Because if you use clinical terminology, you're going to lose people. But a lot of people will cut themselves in order to feel 
something. Yeah. yeah. And and specifically for those who are traumatized, this is a common uh, negative coping skill. And they will frequently hide that. You know, that will be uh, mm-hmm. someplace that's hidden. And then sometimes it comes out and it's exposed. And that person is hoping that someone will notice it. Yeah. So it, it, it's very common in people that have been traumatized, but that's a negative coping skill as well. Yeah. I, and I agree. I think, I think that that is something that's a lot more prevalent than maybe we know. Mm-hmm. But I don't think oh, it's it the is. only way of self-harming that is out there and is being used to reduce, reduce anxiety. And like you said, to feel something, to actually force themselves to, to recognize a feeling. And, and I, on some level, I get it. I don't want to cut myself, but I do get it. I, I'll, I'll share something. <laughs> this is bizarre. And I never recognized it. And Seth, to your point, I think most people don't recognize their own shit first. Somebody else recognizes it for them. I never recognized this. For years and years and years, my hair was kind of a barometer of how I felt about myself. I, mm. I would change it in some drastic fashion, and then I would hate it. And I for the longest time, I didn't recognize it. And then one day I kind of woke up and thought, why do I do that to myself? I know I'm going to be unhappy. Well, I think it was a form of, of punishing myself, almost trying to prove to myself. Yeah. See, you're not, you are an awful person or you do look awful or whatever. I think it was a form of self-expression that was detrimental to me, but I always felt less anxiety right after, even though I hated it. So it's a bizarre thing, but I think it, I don't know, maybe it doesn't fit in there, but it kind of felt like it to me because it was self-harming to some degree, not in, not in the traditional sense necessarily, but. Well, but that's also in the eye of the beholder to oh, some well, extent yeah, it on, is. on what you're talking about in regards to harm yeah. um, that that could look differently for every person. Yeah. There's a lot of risk associated with the self-harming cutting behaviors Yes. versus a lot of the others. But, yeah, I, I think that there's it, it does span span the spectrum. Go ahead. When PK. I do an assessment and I have a male in the chair, I will include punching or kicking things. Yes, because that is much more common ap- among the male population. Mm-hmm. So we'll see that with with men punching walls, you know, kicking trees, things like that. You know, uh, so they have a tendency to do that as a form of uh, self-injurious behavior. Mm. Mm-hmm. So you'll get guys that ha- that come in and they've got scarring on their knuckles. Yeah. And you can kind of tell. a dead giveaway. <laughs> <laughs> yep, absolutely. What have you been absolutely. doing? <laughs> absolutely. So, you know, I mean, those are those are definitely worthy of mentioning, but it doesn't mean that a man can't do that. And then with, with women, there's also... Uh, bulimia is, is, is a coping thing and it can start off that way, you know, uh, as a form of control, you know, trying to maintain control. Right. And then it can develop into a full blown disorder. So some of these things that you talk about that are obsessions, Seth, they, they can start out as a negative coping skill and then develop into an obsession or a full blown mental health, uh, crisis or oh, disorder. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. And if anyone is interested in a conversation around eating disorders, um, please feel free to check out the body dysmorphia series that we did. Was it last month, Michelle? Body dysmorphia. Yeah, yeah. I think it was last month. I'm trying to remember. Yeah. 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 We did talk about month. eating disorders. 
Yeah, wow. there was an episode in there on it. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it, it definitely can begin as a coping strategy, as, and if it's unhealthy, morph into something more severe. I mean, that is definitely well known. Yeah, well, such as such as the definition of comorbidity. I mean, that's what we've said many times. So many of these things cross cross pollinate, for less lack of a better word, cross pollinate across disorders. And but it's it. I think it was a really good thing to bring up that some of them start as a coping strategy and then develop into their own their own deal, I guess, their own disorder. And, and I don't even know, sometimes they don't even go as far as an actual diagnosable disorder, but simply are on that spectrum of a specific disorder and can be still pretty serious, mm-hmm. which of course then just adds to the problems rather than actually helping anything. So again, but that's the nature of disorder is that we're not seeing things from a, a healthy perspective. Yeah. So we're, we're looking for anything that actually brings some sense of relief to what the emotion is we're feeling, you know, or this. So I want to, I want to now just like go through just a really quick list of, cause I, cause I feel like we could talk about each of these for a really long time. <laughs> um, and I just kind of want to run through a list of here are some of the a few uh, examples. What, yeah. A few examples of here are the unhealthy coping strategies that that could be of concern and we've already mentioned a couple of these but i just want to run through this list booze drug use painkillers so looking right there at the substance use category also comfort food shopping oh yeah good point (laughs) shopping Shopping. (laughs) oops Prom- Guilty. Pr- uh, promiscuity. I was going to say that when I was hoping that was on your list because that's something that doesn't get talked about, but that's definitely a yeah. coping strategy. Risky, sexy, I mean, risky, sexy, <laughs> risky sex behaviors <laughs> can be sexy. of concern. Stumble, uh, self-mutilation. Yes. <laughs> right. With self-mutilation, so we've already kind of mentioned self-harming behaviors or in the words of PK and Michelle, cutting. <laughs> Speak to just common language. Just please do not clinically use cutter and you're in describing someone is all I ask of you. Sleeping the day away. So just kind of losing all motivation, all energy and like letting go of all responsibilities. And then as we've talked about, uh, PK and I talked about it in a recent episode, even suicidal thoughts mm-hmm. can can honestly in a way be like coping strategy well the planning of it the yeah. you know going through the detail in your mind of it yeah, yeah. there is some level of control associated yep. with that so it does feel like you're coping a little bit better with it even though it's kind of yep. very detrimental honestly well, yeah oh. it's a negative coping yeah. skill because well, you're, that, saying, yes, exactly. you're saying how the hell am i going to get out of this how am i going right. to deal with this and your brain right. goes well you could do this you know right. and here's all the details associated with that yeah 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 so when are you done, Seth? I'm sorry. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. No, that that was just so, wanted to provide an you know a context. No, I think that's great. I think I think when using a, a coping skill on the positive side, and I hope you guys are ready to go there. Sure. Okay. Yeah. You you have to consider like what what you are needing, what you're seeking, what you're looking for, because the most common coping skill that people are seeking is to release emotions, mm-hmm. like built yes. up anger or sadness, letting off steam. And, and most of the time that's like exercising, punching a pillow, talking to a friend, you know, journaling, things like that, doing art, music. And, or is it to make your emotions visible or, or concrete? Because emotional pain is hard to see. It's hard to explain. 
So you can write words down to yourself. You can communicate that way. Are you trying to gain control? Because sometimes people, we get so emotionally verklempt. That's my word. Mm. You can get so messed up that everything seems just very confusing and jumbled. So to gain control, it, it just feels like everything is out of control and, and you're looking to do that. So there's ways to cope with that by like making lists or cleaning or organizing. And, you know, that helps to, to get you in control, you know, maybe checking off a few things on your to-do list. Are you trying to stop feeling? And I emphasize that because sometimes feelings become too much. They become overwhelming. Mm. So you can use distractions. You can take a, a nap, a hot shower. You can watch a movie, play a game, read a book, listen to music, stuff like that. Are you trying to feel something? Because some people get so overwhelmed that they don't feel anything. They've, they've just totally disengaged and they're in that fog and they don't feel anything. I love, this is an old therapist trick and a lot of therapists use it. Hold an ice cube in your hands. Really? Yep. That is that is a really cool trick to feel something. It, it helps to okay. refocus you. This is kind of akin to the snapping rubber band. Oh, okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, to calm people down. They found that the ice cube was a whole lot less destructive. <laughs> because <laughs> didn't leave marks. <laughs> yeah. The snapping of the rubber band, you know, people go around and they got marks on their wrist and, yeah. you know, they look like they've like hurt themselves or something, right. you know, so... Or are you trying to punish yourself? You know, if you're struggling with self-esteem issues, try to do the opposite. Look at things that you like about yourself. You know, try to do a list about the things that you like. Treat yourself to something special. Try to do some positive self-talk. So those are some of my suggestions. I know for me, and I mentioned this briefly on the last episode, of course, I was in the church when I was dealing with the majority of the depression that I was struggling with. And I was struggling with it ugly and had tried to hide it. When, when I became more open about it, I, I put in place some people around me with specific giftings that I felt were beneficial to me. Yes. I had three ladies specifically who, who agreed to step into my life in a different role. One of them was somebody who just oozed compassion and love and mercy and grace. She like, every time you saw her, she, she wanted to grab you and hug you and tell you how much she loved you. And I needed that affirmation. The other lady was very scripturally sound. She was, she was very much about the grace of God, the love of God. And, and because I was still very deeply involved in the church at that time, I needed to know that God was love because he had been presented so negatively up until then. And then the third lady was just somebody who had struggled with depression the majority of her life. She knew what it felt like, what it looked like, how it manifested and presented itself. She could look at me in a moment and know what I was feeling. And having those people around me as, as a source or a place to go to when I was struggling was incredibly helpful, but probably the most helpful coping strategy for me, and it was one that I developed for myself over the years and I still use now, is actually allowing myself to feel what I feel instead of trying to make it go away, instead of trying to run from it or, or dis, disavow it, I, I just own it in that moment. And, but I make it a point of now saying something to somebody like one of my daughters or my husband, Hey, I'm really struggling today. I just need you to know it. I don't need you to do anything. I just need you to know it because once I've said it and somebody else is aware, right now, I, now I have permission to experience it. And I have found that for myself, and this is just for me, 
the more I feel comfortable just experiencing the emotion I'm feeling, the quicker it resolves or, you know, it goes back to that less intense part of the, the whole thing. And that, that actually works very, very well for me. It also means that sometimes I'm just not ready to be around people. I just want to be left alone for a while, which I do often anyway, because I'm very introverted, but I have found that to be the most effective coping skill for me is giving myself permission to be okay with how I am in the moment and not associate any kind of negative negativity to it, not allow anybody else to associate negative negativity to it, but everyone's different. So that's just my coping skill. So I think that's very beneficial. I tend to be a catastrophizer Mm. in that I kind of allow things to become overwhelming And then I kind of live in that overwhelming place. And I am a perfectionistic (laughs) self-pity partier. And I am good at it. Uh, And I will will sit in that for, for weeks, even months at times. And that's when we talk about the fog from earlier. Like that's definitely something I experience. And so what I have found is the most helpful for me, one... I have to remove myself from the situation. Often I will find getting out of my house and getting in my car and going for a drive is very, very helpful for me. I have to change what is in front of me. I have to separate for at least a moment to kind of break myself out of that, that slump. And then also I, I'm going to say this, because I know it's helpful, but I really struggle to do it, but I know it's what I need to do. But unplugging from social media, unplugging from, you know, the constant grind is also very beneficial. And then if your job will allow it, take some time off, (laughs) give yourself a, a break there And I would encourage you to reach out for mental health support through like counseling and things like that. If you work for a company that's rather large, it's very possible you have free counseling available through an employee assistance program. So I also want you to know about that, that there's even potential counseling and things that may be available to you, uh, which could also be helpful. Yeah. Awesome. For me, I do 20 second hugs with my wife. That's one of my, my coping skills. Why 20 seconds? Is there statistical evidence of that number? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. There is uh, the 20 second hug does a lot of things and I can't remember what, what those statistics were, but I learned it a while ago that, you know, a 20 second hug does a lot for you. So I count, I hold her and I won't let her go until I count to 20. (laughs) But I took a, a class a long, long time ago. And uh, it was really about self-image and helping to rediscover, you know, just a a positive self-image. And I remember one of the challenges was to look in the mirror and say to yourself, I love you. And I thought Mm. it was the stupidest thing I had ever heard. I was like, this is so dumb. And then after you did that, she wanted you to hug yourself and say it again. And I was like, I was like, I'm just going to tell him I did it and I'm not going to do it, you know, <laughs> and, you know, but I forced myself to do it anyway. And I ended up crying like a baby. I mean, I just cried and had such a release from saying, I love you to myself. 
Mm. Right. And, mm. and it was not easy to do. It was not easy to do because I don't think I had ever looked in my own eyes and said, I love you. Wow. And it, it was powerful. But I find that writing is a coping skill for me. And I think that uh, just just spending time with my, my wife, you know, but there are a lot of people that don't have that, that social outlet, you know, so uh, getting outdoors, I think, is, is also a really good coping skill. So. Oh, for sure. Yeah, I used to do, I haven't been able to do it lately, but I knew that if I started to spiral, that going for a hike, and I would go for miles and miles and miles, and just by myself in complete silence was incredibly beneficial. Oh, my God. Uh, just connecting with nature again and just being silent and listening to the, you know, the sounds of nature around you is very helpful. That even sounds right. I want to go do that now. (laughs) I mean, it just sounds, it felt so good right here, you know, but my wife will do that. She'll go 20 miles. She'll just walk and walk and walk. And she comes back and she's so centered and so great. And even while she's walking, she'll just cry and she'll get it all out and feel great just walking, you know, but I, I love this quote by Maya Angelou. She said, you may not control all the events that happen to you, but you can decide not to be reduced by them. Mm. Yeah. I, mm. I love that. Yeah. And I wanted to share that today because I thought it was, it was awesome, yeah. you know, but I, you know, you made me feel better, Michelle. I like that, <laughs> out, that outdoor Good. thing. I'm going to have to go find a trail now today and I don't know where anything is around right now. <laughs> yeah, I, that's not really fair. Uh, both of you. It's, <laughs> it is cold here. It's cold it is here too. raining. I'm yeah. in Florida, yeah, well, so. PK's in Florida. He's in not, Florida. Not sorry. <laughs> it's warm and sunny out. I actually <laughs> like it when it's kind of cold to go hiking, though. I feel like oh, yeah, that's more invigorating. Yeah. You know, I, yeah, I don't that know. Cool, that cool breath, man. There's yeah. just something about and that. The, you get a mountain. And the smell, just the smell, mm-hmm. the trail and everything out there. I mean, not every smell's great, but. <laughs> You are so going hiking today. I'm so going to go find a trail. (laughs) (laughs) I hadn't even thought about it because of course, you know, I moved and I had miles and miles and miles of trails around me where I lived in California, but here I've not really found that. And I know there are trails, but I have to drive pretty far to get to them before they were right outside my back door. So it's a little different, but yeah, I really want to go find a trail now just because I feel like that might make my day a little better now since it started off kind of negatively. <laughs> well, take a, take, take a journal, okay? Yes. And, uh, and your phone and take a picture and send it to us, even post it to the mental page okay, today. You know that. what I'm saying? Yeah, that's not a bad idea. I know yeah, there's a lot of you know. battlefields around here. I could probably go hike around a battlefield. Although yeah. I don't know if that, if, if the feeling of that's going to be positive or not. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I don't know. What yeah, I don't know. That. But <laughs> so if you're if you're listening to this, a coping skill is literally anything that you do that can pull you out of that funk. Right. Anything that you do that turns the light back on for you, that makes you glow again, that brings that joy and that recentering back to you, that makes you feel alive again and makes you feel like you again, brings you back to your happy place. Right. So whatever that is, if you struggle at times with depression and you know that you have those dips, then plan it, plan it out, have a plan and say, okay, if I feel myself starting to go down here, then this is what I'm going to do. Because if you have a plan, 
the statistics are the people that do plan ahead when they start to to feel those you know depressive feelings then they they engage you know they go okay time to pull the trigger on this plan and get going here and and right. start start moving along in a positive direction and they're the ones that will come out of that faster and they won't fall into the depths of of depression so coping skills are so good to not only develop but to plan ahead and say this is what I'm going to do if I start feeling this way so that you can head it off at the pass so to speak and keep yourself in a much happy, uh, healthier and happier disposition. Right. Yeah. And just to make Seth's day, I'm going to, I'm going to mention that I'm going to go to the gym tomorrow because that's one of my healthy coping strategies. And I haven't been in a week, which might be part of the reason for my funk now that I think about it. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to mention that, but I didn't want to like, you know. No, but it's very true. I want it too much. Oh, absolutely. Like you, it releases cortisol been, and all that yeah. stuff. Well, yeah, but she's also been, she's been working her ass off for the last, like, since I've known her yeah. and <laughs> now she's sudden, you know, like not just going to the gym once a day, but twice a day, yeah. and not just staying there the normal amount of time, but double the Hours. amount of time and, <laughs> and, and just doing that like 100% all the time. And then you just randomly stop by golly. Yeah. Your body's going to, yeah. you're going to, oh, my dip. body chemistry's it, off. <laughs> Right. Like Your body's duh. going, what's happening? Yes, what's happening? What, ha- what have you done? What's going on? I'll do the hike today and then I'll get back to my gym schedule tomorrow and then life will be happy again. Oh my goodness, please. <laughs> if only post, it works that way. Please post pictures if you do. I, I will. I see I'm, it because that area of the country is so pretty. Oh, I know. I was driving yesterday and looking at all the leaves turning color because, or changing colors because, you know, of course I haven't seen that in California very much in over 30 years. And so here it was just, it was beautiful. It was kind of that hazy sunset kind of look, you know, in the distance. And then you had the trees all changing color. I was like, oh my gosh, it's absolutely beautiful. So gosh, I miss that. I'm appreciating that right now. Wow. Yeah. I, miss I miss, I miss the Shenandoah uh, Valley. Oh. That was like a favorite of mine when the yeah. leaves, the fall leaves would come in. People would come from all over the country just to see the yeah. fall colors change and drive that Shenandoah uh, yeah. Valley because the elevations were like in the thousands, you know, you go yeah. up on that drive and oh my goodness, just pretty, pretty colors. Fall is so beautiful. See, now we all feel better. Aren't we all smiling thinking about that? See, and we just, <laughs> this is what coping strategy. This yes. was an act. This was a coping strategy activity. There we go. Talking about coping strategies <laughs> could be a coping strategy. There you, you go. Know? Yes. Absolutely. You gotta, you gotta find, you gotta find those nuggets where you can. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. And, you know, conversation and fellowship with friends can sure. definitely be a coping skill. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. It can. Well, I'm thankful for both of you then today. So thank you. I'm very thankful for both of you as well. <laughs> Me too. And if if you've uh, tuned into this episode, found this to be helpful, first of all, we just want to thank you for listening. And, and I want you to know that you can access information about our show and even, you know, get to know us as people via our Facebook page, Mental Podcast. There is also a Facebook group, which is pretty much dead. But there is a Facebook group if it ever decides to become alive. And if you were so inclined as to support our show, I want to let you know that our patrons get free access to everyone, all the co-hosts on the show via our our Marco Polo group, as well as we put out bonus content 
I'm, I'm aiming for two times a month, but you know, <laughs> we, we do the best we can. <laughs> Anything else we should shout out before we wrap things up? We also have an Instagram account, although it's not as active right now as it should be. We need to work on that, which we will do. Uh, what else? What else do we have? There's the Marco Polo group and, and there's the Fade to Gray Network. Mental Podcast is a part of the Fade to Gray Network, soon to become FTG Network. And you can access that on Facebook as well to receive information about other podcasts that you may be interested in. Yeah, and that's actually a really good point because there are quite a few on there and mm-hmm. a lot of different genres. So you can find some other podcasts that actually appeal to some of your interests. And the Marco Polo group that you mentioned, of course, is open to our patrons. If you feel so, if you feel so inclined to support us, you can do that on Patreon, and then you are you are eligible to receive the bonus material that Seth was discussing a little bit ago. So, which, by the way, often gets a little weird. So <laughs> it does. Uh, uh, we're gonna see how it turns out with PK. Yeah, I was gonna part say PK's not now. been in on bonus material that might, yet, so that might. we'll see what happens. But I'm excited for it. <laughs> but everyone, I want to thank you for listening in on this uh, episode. Until next time. Until next time. We invite people of all backgrounds to share their stories. Their nuanced conversations and forward thinking. And not taking ourselves too seriously. Everyone's story matters. Every voice is important. Life is polarizing. But not everything is black and white. Come join us as we fade to gray. Fade to Gray is available anywhere you listen to podcasts. Head on over to fadetograypodcast.com for more information. The Venture X Card from Capital One gives you more of what you love, like premium travel benefits and access to Taylor Swift tickets. Oh, I do love her. Earn five times miles on flights and 10 times miles on hotels through Capital One Travel. Enjoy your stay in Suite 13. Whoa, 13? That's Taylor's lucky number. Plus, get access to Taylor Swift The Eras Tour, presented by Capital One. Maybe I'll see you there. The Venture X Card from Capital One. What's in your wallet? Terms apply. See CapitalOne.com for details. Hi, welcome to your neighborhood pharmacy. Hi, I've got a prescription for diabetes test strips. How much is the copay? Well, it depends on your type of commercial insurance and factoring in your yearly spend, subtracting the deductibles, also depending on your monthly Ugh, allowance. Why can't there be a better option? Or you could try Contour Next test strips. A 35 counts only $19.99 over the counter and proven to be highly accurate. Go to contournext.com radio to see if over the counter strips are a more affordable option for you. Hmm, I think I'll try Contour Next.